and welcome to Holding Fast. How is your anchor holding today? Is it gripped firmly to the Word of God? I hope that it's even more so as a result of being in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. We begin a brand new podcast week today, and it's my joy and privilege to be able to bring the Word of God to you and to be able to help you meditate according to the thoughts of the living Lord Jesus. It is good to be here. Thank you for uh, tuning in today, and I hope that this will be a blessing to you. I uh, had engaged in a lot of conversations yesterday, yesterday, in, at least in podcast time, being uh, Lord's Day, uh, and uh, my voice is a little bit uh, rough from uh, speaking all day on the Lord's Day, but hopefully you'll be able to understand me okay, uh, probably all too well, because uh, the microphone picks up every little thing. But I'm glad that you're able to be a part of this today. Was uh, meeting with some new believers, some new disciples in Christ, and we were engaged in answering a lot of questions that are legit questions for people that have just become disciples of Christ to ask and making a number of observations. And it came to be that I was meditating on this particular passage uh, in the book of Proverbs. Uh, in the Bible, there are some terrible words of warning, some very uh, strong statements that are made. Uh, they're placed there by God himself. They're kind of like red warning signals to people, uh, particularly those of us who are traveling to eternity. Uh, the key verse of this particular study this morning, meditation, is on Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 1. It's one of those verses that will cause you to shudder if you think about it very deeply. Uh, yet with the note of warning that this verse gives, there's also uh, accompanying it a, a note of mercy and compassion. Uh, we're told in this particular verse of a certain and awful judgment which will fall on men and women who persistently and deliberately reject God's offer of love and grace and forgiveness. Uh, but it also tells of his great love and mercy. Um because in the heart of the warning, you have a declaration that God is not, of course, willing that any should perish, as we learn from Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. And the verse is this, Proverbs 29, 1, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. That's why I say that that verse will make you shudder a little bit if you think about it very deeply. As a minister of the gospel, there are frequent times that I've seen people through the years come through our assembly and they'll sit uh, out in the congregation, they'll listen to the preaching, and many times they'll come frequently. Uh, they'll stop in, they will sit, they will listen, sometimes they think that they're blending in uh, with all the other people that are there, and yet at the same time they are not believers. It reminds me of that parable that our Lord told in the scripture regarding the man who came to the wedding feast and didn't have on the wedding garment. He blended in. He looked the same. Nobody questioned why he was there. Uh, and yet he was missing an essential element that he needed in order to participate in the celebration that was to follow. And here in Proverbs 29.1, this solemn warning that is given to us, I think we can learn several things from this verse. And I think one of the first things you can learn is how much God really loves sinners. I've said that so many times down through the years, decades now, to try to turn people to the Lord Jesus Christ. This particular verse says, again, he that being often reproved. 
uh, hardeneth his neck. Now, this is interesting because the, God's love towards a man who literally remains stiff-necked, an interesting uh, word picture there, after many rebukes. The word rebuke here is the same one that is used in John 16, 8, where the Lord talks about how he's going to bring judgment and rebuke on the world. But the Bible tells us that by the very fact that God uh, God extends rebuke and drawing and reproving and conviction to people, the very fact that he tries to convince them of their danger uh, is uh, a statement that God loves you today. I don't know what your personal relationship is with Jesus. I don't know what kind of background you have with him. But this verse proves very eloquently that God frequently reproves people uh, and tries to convince them of their need for him. Notice that it's God who does the reproving. So that in case of our salvation, he takes the initiative in it. He's looking to see you come and be saved. And that's a wonderful thought. He could actually, if justice were served, could cast you off forever. He could banish you to hell. He could exterminate you immediately. And he would be well within his right to do so because with every breath we draw, we are broken rebels against God. But instead, this verse tells us that God extends extravagant grace towards us and he tries to bring you to himself. You remember Saul of Tarsus in the New Testament, a militant enemy of the gospel of the Lord Jesus in Acts chapter 9. Here is grace in action. God reproving, rebuking, and warning you to show your, uh, his concern for your salvation today. How, do, how does he do that? Well, I would suggest to you he does it through several ways. He may do it through the life or the example and the pleading of a godly parent or a friend. Uh, many of you may even be able to remember the example of a loving mother that prayed for you or a, a Christian father, or maybe you had some genuine friend that was praying for your salvation. He may reprove and rebuke and warn you through a preacher or a youth group leader, somebody he's brought across your path. Uh, you've listened to a preacher and you've been conscious that his preaching uh, that in his preaching, God's been really calling your name and pleading with you regarding his offer. He may do this sometimes by adopting drastic measures in your life. Uh, frequently, the Lord will bring about a trial and a struggle in your own personal life in order to take your eyes off self or something else and put it on him. Maybe losing a loved one will make a person turn towards eternity and think about God, and then God will reprove him. Maybe God speaks very loudly in a time of tragedy. Maybe it's a time of illness or business failure or personal testing. God may be reproving you through that so that you'll realize your need for him. Uh, wow, I'm amazed that the down through the years that I've been able to pastor people and how far God will go in order to bring men and women to himself. He loves you. I can say that this morning with absolute confidence that in spite of your sin, he's made every possible effort to save you and to bring you into relationship with him. But of course, the verse goes on that in spite of this, there are many that respond to God's mercy and compassion by treating God in the wrong way. Notice it says in verse 1, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck. Uh, 
that's how sinners treat God. The word stiff-necked implies not just an action, but an attitude, a spirit towards God. Uh, how easily any human being can become like this. Your hearts and uh, your consciences may have been at one time tender and impressionable, but the more times that you defy and turn away and stiff-arm the living God, as people will often do, sit in church and they will harden their heart against the Lord. And that stiff-necked figure describes them correctly. Uh, it illustrates a rebellious animal, uh, like trying to get your dog into taking a bath in a tub or something. They just stiffen out and try to resist you in every way. In the same way, our obstinate, stubborn, stu- obstinate stubbornness and persistence, uh, persistence sets your will against God. So uh, I would suggest to you today, I, I hope that's not your condition, that you are not in a position of turning your back on him. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way. That you reject his loving invitation. Uh, don't take the sides of God's enemy uh, and be go on record as being alienated from him. He loves you. And of course, in closing, the peril of resisting God, it says, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. A man will suddenly be destroyed. What remorse and despair and eternal regret are in that particular statement. God says to the man who hardens his heart that certain judgment will come upon him. It's sure. You see that word will? It says specifically, shall, will, suddenly be destroyed. It is sure. It will happen. Judgment will be sudden. It says that he shall or will suddenly be destroyed. Death is sudden. You're not guaranteed your next breath. Judgment will be final. The Bible doesn't offer any second chance of salvation beyond the grave. This is where you need to make your choice today. Proverbs 29.1 is one of the most solemn statements in Scripture. And it contains God's word of a loving, pleading and warning to it as well. Do you believe what God says today? Uh, have you been resisting God's leadership of your life? Even if, even if you do not, He still says. If you don't believe God's Word, He says it. His Word is true. Notice that there are three things you can't do according to this verse. You can never say that God doesn't love you and long for your salvation. Two, you can never say that you've not had a chance to be saved. And three, if you die in your sin, you can never say you thought you would have another chance of being saved after death. The peril of resisting God. Turn in faith to Him today.